Signs of the Southland, Monday, October 3rd, 2022. Mr. Grant, let's start with golf. Christo Lamprecht won the Inverness Invitational, uh, and the team finished second place. Tell me more. Yeah, so this one was kind of interesting. Uh, it's the reason I delayed Yellow Jacket Roundup last week, because they played Monday and Tuesday uh, up in Toledo. I assume the weather was probably decent to great because this is an awesome time to be on the Great Lakes. I'm not biased at all. But um, in terms of action, uh, Christo did start out with back-to-back uh, -back rounds of 67s, which is pretty darn good. Uh, he was four shots under the lead. Uh, again, that, that'll that set you up pretty well. And then came back with a, a 72 to, to eck out the win. So he definitely put himself uh, in, in the right place. And this match was also in match invitational, whatever it was also interesting because they played the first two rounds on that Monday. So uh, definitely uh, seems like he was locked in all day uh, for 36 holes, which that's a lot of golf. That's that's eight hours of being on the course. So props to him for that. One, one more thing on golf. We did beat number one, Oklahoma. That is important as well. But in terms of men's tennis, uh, we kind of alluded to this a little bit uh, about a month ago, I'd say. Uh, but there's this new college circuit that uh, Universal Tennis is putting out. Basically, if they get a certain number of people, uh, they split a pot uh, a number of ways. So, uh, you know, you pay in your, your entry fees and you can actually win some money. So I guess that's something that's new in the NIL era. That being said, uh, while the first one was in Columbus, this one was up at Georgia Gwinnett College uh, up in Lawrenceville and featured uh, quite a, a broad range of schools, but not nearly as much as uh, the cross-country events we'll talk about in just a second. Uh, in terms of results, there were four tennis guys up there. Uh, Robert Bauer, uh, Angel Guerrero-Melgar, Keshav Chopra, and Rohan Sakdev. Um, they all paired up in doubles. Pretty, uh, I don't want to say nondescript, but uh, they all played through uh, to the semifinals or the championships uh, against a, a bunch of, you know, players not that we hadn't heard of them before but uh i wouldn't say that i'm well versed enough in tennis to know how it translates to maybe the team as a whole in terms of singles uh chopra was your number one overall seed he played through uh to the semis and everyone else kind of uh shook out uh shook out from there uh overall i'd say it's solid but i think that's kind of the overall theme we've alluded to the past couple weeks with with tennis is given just the invitational style of play, it's kind of hard to judge a one-to-one -one for how the team performance will look when they switch over to, um, you know, match play over in the spring. That being said, do keep an eye out this week for ITA All-Americans. Uh, the men are in Tulsa. The women are in Cary, North Carolina. Uh, and those are going to be, you know, your your headliners, your Andres Martins, Marcus McDaniels, uh, Carol Lee. Uh, folks like that are going to be playing against some of the best in the land. So definitely a stacked week in terms of upcoming tennis. And uh, hopefully, you know, uh, the guys who headed out to Lawrenceville last week got a cut of the pot, especially uh, considering uh, I believe Chopra and Zach did play for the championship. So pretty good overall there. Running down some other results from around the flats. Uh, swimming was at uh, home versus Emory, who are the defending men's champs in D3. Uh, their women's team is the defending runners-up. Tech swept 11 events on a route to a 339 to 141-point victory. Uh, in club hockey, uh, Tech lost two times to Alabama, both home and away, 2-1 in OT for the first 
leg at home and then 5-2 in regulation away. And then Club Swim at the Clemson Invitational placed first overall with uh, 1,500 54.16 points. You're going to have to explain to me someday what these decimal points mean. That's a great question because <laughs> 0.16 means that something really weird happened. There was probably some sort of three-way tie because the only time you get a split point is when uh, two times are tied to the hundredth. So seeing a 0.16 makes me think, you know, somebody got a two-way tie and then somebody else got a three-way tie or somebody got a six-way tie, which I... But there's no way that's ever happened. There's no way. Like, meet. <laughs> I have in, a headache. In a club swim meet. There's no way there was a six way tie. Like I have a headache real. just thinking about those possibilities. But to round out the podium, there Athens had uh, just over 893 points, and Virginia scored 712.5 points. Let's head over to cross country. They had a split weekend and Lehigh and at Lehigh in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, and the Alexander Asics Invitational in Fairburn, Georgia. Jake, in my notes, it says you have a lot of vamping to do. I'm going yeah. to let you vamp. I am appreciative of that because this was a weird one. I kid you not, I spent an hour and a half researching cross-country events last night because I fell down the rabbit hole that hard. So split squad means that, you know, half the team's in one place, half's in the other. Happens in tennis in the fall a lot. It happens in cross-country or swimming um, at various times as well. Uh, in terms of Lehigh, that was kind of your, uh, I guess, top half of the team. That was uh, the men and the women sent uh, seven, eight runners each. Don't quote me on that. Um, up to Lehigh, the women place 14th out of, hold on, it was a really big number. Uh, uh, wow, this is great podcasting. Uh, Lehigh 14th was 131. out of 134. 134, and while the men were 17th out of 131. This is everyone from your UNCs and your Villanovas, you know, traditional powers in the sport, all the way down to uh, Lancaster Bible College and SUNY Maritime. So we really ran the whole gamut, including... Um, a Canadian university or two in there. I did see Guelph. So uh, nice uh, in terms of results. Uh, James Cragen was tech top finisher. He was in 55th. Uh, the men's pack was actually pretty tightly bunched, uh, several between 111th and 130th. While the women had better, I guess, individual finishes, Elena Lindsay um, in the women's 6K running a 20.043 uh, for 23rd place, and Liz Galarza four seconds behind her with a top. 30. Uh, the rest of the pack was a little bit further back, but uh, top uh, top tier finishes there. Uh, the event that kind of sucked up more of my attention, though, was the rest of the team down in Fairburn. Uh, this wasn't necessarily a huge D1 slate. I think the only other D1 school I saw there was Wofford, uh, who Tech uh, throttled. Um, you know, you saw Emory, a uh, traditionally great D3 program, their athletics are, are very solid, basically, across the board for being a D3 school. Um, I know Clark Atlanta was down there, Oglethorpe, so a lot of, you know, local type schools. But the thing that stuck out to me was there was a club uh, club team there as well, and that was the Georgia Tech run and rec. So, you know, just got to get more club sports into the podcast. And the reason it stuck out is because one of their folks got fourth overall uh, and took out quite a few varsity runners uh, on his way to uh, about a 24 in his finish uh, in terms of placement 
it really was a stacked day overall for tech. Uh, they kind of cleaned up the rest of the competition with nine out of tech's uh, men finishing in the top 50, uh, as well as four of the five run and rec lads who were down there. So 13 of the top 50 uh, was was Georgia Tech guys, which is uh, pretty great. And then I believe they're at nine on the women's side as well. Um, so yeah, really, really strong showing um, on both accords, especially when you're running against you know 1,200 men in a single invite to have all your guys in the top 200. I think that's a pretty good day, same for the women. I know that was a lot. That's probably the most we've ever talked about cross country on this podcast. And it was just me hey, vomiting no, no, no. knowledge. We did, so. we did an entire preview episode for cross country, both we this did. summer and I think we last did. summer too. So hey. I think I think we all won. Uh, I will say just in terms of scheduling, their next meet will be at Penn State in two weeks. No word on if the run and wreck will run all the way to state college for that one. Jake, you have a last word before we move on. Yeah. Uh, I do believe that club hockey is either at home or near ish enough to home that it's feasible against Clemson coming up. And then uh, swimming does head out this week. They will not be around for homecoming. Other than that uh, homecoming is going to be the place to be in terms of other general Georgia Tech events for this upcoming weekend. Oh, buddy, I have the entire schedule pulled up for later in the episode, believe me. <laughs> uh, let's move over to volleyball. Jack, you wrote the book on this one this weekend. Uh, Tech beat Notre Dame three zip in South Bend. Didn't really break a sweat. Many sweats were broken in Louisville on big ESPN, along with a bunch of souls when ESPN decided to cut in with Aaron Judge. Tech lost to Louisville uh, three to one. Louisville's ranked two in the nation. It's Tech's first ACC loss of the season and third overall loss. Jack, like I said, you wrote the book on this one. Tell me, tell me what the vibes were for this and give me a little bit of analysis on what the future holds. The, the vibes were great in my living room when Aaron Judge came on the screen because I love baseball. Oh. So I hate the Yankees, but I was I, I had no problems there. Whoa, Anyways, that was whoa, 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 whoa. relevant. Jack, the implication there is that I do not like baseball history because I hated Aaron Judge being on my screen. And that's just me hating. No, 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 no. I'm going to meet you. Step- there we go. Thank you. He can't, he Anyways, can't defend so- himself. <laughs> um. Yeah, no, Notre Dame was not a, it was our, this is our first ACC trip of the year for one. Um, Notre Dame was, it wasn't a big deal there. They play in their basketball arena. I got a friend to go to that game and I think they constituted about 10% of the crowd there. Like it, Friday night in South Bend, people don't go to volleyball. Uh, and then the, the Louisville match, we knew it was going to be hard. Um, I mean, they're very good. They were without one of their best players, Anna DeBeer, but it didn't really matter because they could set anywhere they wanted. They could hit us anywhere they wanted. Um, they were very good at targeting Paolo Pimentel on serves and very good about double blocking Bergman to the point she had a negative hit percentage, uh, which does not bode well for Tech, unfortunately, when that happens. We're, that's the thing I want us to, I, I think they can get better at is when the Knights Bergman's just not on that we find a way to be more creative in finding points that, that are not just hoping for mistakes because we'll play a team like Louisville uh, in the NCAA tournament, and they're going to beat us if we keep making mistakes like this. So that's just kind of that's just kind of the thing there. Um, yeah, and I I think we've seen this a couple times, right? We saw this earlier in the year with Ohio State, who played a similar style where they 
continue to get stuffs at the line and they were able to stretch tech out a lot on the court. And it's a pretty consistent problem that, like you said, tech is going to have to solve either tactically or just by throwing numbers at it rotationally. Right. Yeah. Yeah. For, yeah. They, they, for sure. Um, and they tried, I mean, in Collier, when I've talked to her, she's mentioned there's no time to experiment anymore. And I brought this up multiple times because I, I think this game may have been one where we needed some to experiment against Louisville. We get to play them again. Um, and very well, maybe again in the NCAA tournament, like we did last year. Um, so figuring out how to beat them is critical. If we're going to win the national title, that's just how it's going to have to go down. Um, so, and then they released the, the NCAA committee's top 10 came out during the match um, and tech was left out of it. And then today the ABCA t- top 10 came out and we were in it at number 10. Minnesota was the only team in the uh, NCAA version that we were not in. Um, so it's, we're, we're battling. So we're hovering around universally. We're hovering in like the nine to 11 range right now, uh, which I think is accurate, especially when watching Louisville and Texas play this weekend as well. Um, and then Bergman got the 1400 kills and she'll probably get to the eighth spot all time in tech history when it's all said and done this year. Yeah. So I'm going to stop fake reading my sports history book, uh, out of spite to chime in with our RPI is only at 23. Uh, so that might be a pretty good indicator that, you know, we've really scheduled tough. We've taken care of the teams that we've needed to um, lost to an arguably inferior in air quotes because they beat us. That's how that works. Uh, Arkansas team and also lost to uh, Ohio State and Louisville as well. So in terms of big swings, we don't kind of we don't really have that marquee win uh, of the Penn State one last year that really buoyed the RPI from the start, but also the. Um, the pit win that we got mid season on the road. So definitely something to keep in mind is, you know, uh, until we maybe knock off pit this weekend, let's knock on some wood uh, or, you know, we get another shot at Louisville at home in the coming weeks and, and we get two chances at pit for the record. I believe coach Collier called that quote, the hard schedule as if that was something that they could choose to have in the ACC. would love to know how that all works out. Cause it's, yeah, there's no way they randomly drew Pitt, Louisville, and Tech all matching up home and home for the second or third year in a row. Like, that just doesn't make sense. Anyways, I'm rambling. Point is, we need to get a marquee win if we want to host um, because I don't think just taking care of business against the rest of the ACC is going to do it when if we can't get over the top, like the top tier hump at least once. You don't have to do it four times. Just once would be nice, though. Yeah, one win does a lot here. We probably won't escape Pitt or Louisville to win the ACC, we're going to need a lot of help there to make that happen. Um, but one win yeah. does a lot to maybe keep us in the top 16 come tournament time. We played the both of them within our last four games in November. So yeah, all of these hypotheticals will become very clear realities in November once we're once we've done with the meat of the ACC schedule. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm personally I'm more worried about beating Syracuse, who's currently at the top of the conference. What? Syracuse, you said Syracuse like, is undefeated in conference play. Yeah, but they, they are. Had like also Louisville five returners. Is, Didn't they like cut their entire team or like? It's a joke. They haven't Instagram. played anybody. Oh. They haven't played anybody yet. Oh, okay. It's a Did, very wait, bad. I was joke. the guy who said we can't judge anybody seriously until they played Louisville or Pitt. Damn. Got to follow my own advice. <laughs> Got him. Got him. I, oh, yeah, the, yeah. I, I had a whole bit set up for uh, using. Uh, like the scheduling corruption in different sports to explain how 
Tech, Louisville, and Pitt got scheduled together, but I, I think the moment is gone, and I'm just going to cede it back to you to close us out here. I um, will say, uh, Jack, I appreciate your three thoughts, but you're really not giving me a lot to work with with volleyball, which is why my column really just talked about the history of the Louisville and National, Nashville Railroad today instead of uh, actual volleyball. Because <laughs> I promise union, we're a sports website somewhere. The credit union from this railroad that hasn't existed in 50 years is the group that sponsors Louisville's arena. And they also built a train line that cuts their student union, which the arena is part of, in half. And then I was like, shoot, Jack did such a good job on the volleyball that you know everyone can go check that out and i'll just write about cross country or something instead so good job you're there to, you're welcome to should... plagiarize at any time sir <laughs> we're professional plagiarists here at from the rumble seat <laughs> I, uh, I can't believe we actually got a comment like that uh moving right along jack mentioned that tech place pit this weekend that is a what is that a 7 p.m tip that will be 2 at mccamish 2 p.m 2 p.m 2 p.m even spicier 2 p.m tip at mccamish on the 9th so if you are in town for homecoming that will be a nice uh nice cap to the weekend on sunday uh what is the other game this weekend mr purdy friday seven o'clock hosting virginia conveniently right after and right next to the mini 500 if you're so inclined to watch that as well which event will be more entertaining i cannot say you actually can't say those are both equally entertaining they really are. Mm, mm. there is a giant swing and, and this is where i'll editorialize a little bit on a tricycle race there's a giant swing in entertainment from being on the corner of fourth and fowler you know the ato um beta peter's park wesley like peter's parking yeah. deck's not very descriptive but that side where everyone's just flying down the hill racing into the sewer uh crashing all that good stuff versus like struggling to go up the hill in front of bobby dot that's not entertaining that's that's bad if you're gonna I don't go know. i think go on i think Street, personally you know i personally i think the other angle the bobby the callaway plaza angle is like a very good metaphor for getting through georgia tech uh don't remind me hey i made it up that hill without stopping last year when i raced very impressive jake has two degrees and did not do that moving on mccamish pavilion had got a new court this fall and this summer i guess this is the early part of the fall and mostly the summer there was some water damage uh that flooded the arena earlier this year and so a new court had to be ordered uh it is only blue and white interestingly enough because tech gold requires a long lead time to put on hardwood uh, so it was not available to put down for the 22-23 season. But the court is installed. It looks good. Um, and it will be ready, like we said, to host volleyball on Sunday. Uh, no word on if it would be used for other games, potentially postseason play. But, you know, we'll we'll keep an eye on it uh, and see what happens. Uh, Mr. Grant, Mr. Purdy, any other notes before we take a short break? In one sentence, did you just try and will postseason home volleyball and more McCamish games into existence out of pure conjecture? Because I respect that. Uh, I, that's the kind of grind that I podcast for. So, I firmly believe in speaking things into existence. That's how you project confidence at the old institute. Mr. Purdy, have you anything else on the volleyball circuit? I do not. 
outside of the fact that they have not announced that Sunday's game is sold out yet. So there is very likely still tickets available. So I would I would advise you go buy them. Ten dollars. I think there if might we be a sold discount. Nine thousand volleyball well. tickets. I think I would just transcend space and time. So <laughs> you did commit to that on Twitter uh, a couple of days ago. I did. I did. That that was me. Before we talk about other commitments, a short break. As everyone who has tuned into this podcast once probably knows, uh, we are big fans of Section 103 here, uh, so we'll be taking a quick break to shout them out. Uh, I hear that yesterday's sale, uh, 24% off for beating number 24 pit, was a rousing success. Uh, and to honor that, uh, I personally forked over uh, several figures of my cold hard cash um, it was totally worth it. Today, I am wearing, uh, as always, uh, a Section 103 shirt. It is the first thing I bought from them uh, about a year ago, um, and it is my I'm a Ramblin' Rack from Georgia Tech and a Hell of an Engineer shirt. And if you do not have a song uh, that has the fight song on it, this is a great base uh, for any Georgia Tech collection. I think it might be my favorite shirt straight up. Uh, so thanks to Steven and the gang for that. And it is so great that when I wore it to the Clemson away game, opposing fans were telling me it was a great shirt. And if that is not a sign of a quality piece of material, I don't know what is. Uh, even though yesterday's sale is over, uh, they, as always, have free shipping on orders over 70 bucks. You can find them at section103.com on Twitter at section103, uh, which is great for news about the business as well as commentary on sports and Georgia Tech life. So go ahead and give them a follow as well. Welcome back to Scions of the Southland. I mentioned commitments in at the end of the last segment. A lot of them were broken last week, specifically contracts. A lot of change in the athletics program. We have Ken Segura of the AJC back with us again this week to break it all down. Ken, how have you been? How has life been during this period of upheaval in the Georgia Tech athletics program? Um, well, thanks for, for having me on, guys, first of all. Uh, it's obviously been a little busy. Um, certainly tense, I guess you'd say, in, in some respects, as, as things were happening. And obviously, it didn't appear that things were going to end well for, for a couple people. Um, but yeah, it's uh, kind of yeah a crazy week, but uh, I'm glad we're through this part of it. Um, and hopefully, uh, things will be a little more smooth uh, for the next uh, seven, eight weeks. I just appreciate that uh, you wanted to come back. That says a lot, and we're glad to have you. Oh, well, thanks. Yeah, I mean, you guys are fun to, to hang, hang out with, so I'm, I'm always glad to, to join. When I'm, not, uh, when I'm not designating Jake as a baseball history hater, we do claim to be professionals occasionally. <laughs> um, but just to, to get back and, and really focus on – the end of the ten years of Jeff Collins to Todd Stansbury at Georgia Tech. Can you walk us through what that process looked like right after the loss at home to Ole Miss a couple of weeks ago? Sure. Um, well, I think uh, as I've written, I think that was a turning point. Um, obviously, already there was uh, plenty of sentiment against uh, Jeff Collins and by by connection Todd Stansbury, but I think you know th this whole idea of we, we've got to see improvement and you know you could I think certainly buy it I guess with with against Clemson it was obviously not a, a close game but you saw things that made you think like okay maybe things are headed in the right direction but 
but to lose 42 nothing uh, at home to to anybody, but um, you know certainly Ole Miss is a very good team, but uh, to do that uh, it kind of uh, removes all pretense that that things are going forward. Um, and so I think yeah that that really ramped up pressure I think on on at that point on on to some degree on on Todd Sanford, but maybe more so on uh, President uh, Angel Cabrera to do something. And I think you know it wasn't just you know the the random fans that were reaching him, but but also the people that are very important to the institute in terms of the money that they give and support that they provide. So I think once that happened, I think it probably maybe accelerated what what might have been an inevitable process, but. Um, you know, I think so. I think the last game, excuse me, the yeah, the game two weeks ago against or a week ago, I said technically against UCF was maybe a you know, it maybe accelerated, like I said, what was going to happen when you lose again and you, you play better, but you still lose to a to a group of five school. Um, that kind of was probably the 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 final you know, brick or whatever domino that needed to fall. Um, and I, my you know, so I think you know, I was told you know, even before that, it was a matter of, of when and not if. And so, um, yeah, so that was, I guess, maybe the, the last thing that needed to happen. Um, you know, at, at kind of when things precisely happened, it's, it's still unclear. You know, I was hearing very, very solidly on Sunday after the UCF game that, that uh, Jeff Collins was out and, and Todd Sainsbury most likely was too. You know, they weren't officially told until Monday. Um, and, you know, Again, like it's hard to say exactly when the the decision was reached. Okay, this is the end. But um, but yeah, so that's kind of how it all uh, played out, you know, in the in the big picture. Yeah, and you mentioned that for Collins, it was a matter of when and not if. For right. Stansbury, was that? I'm I, I kind of imagine that wasn't the case. Did he uh, was the leash there a little bit longer? Was do you have any sense of if that kind of became more clear? as things progress, especially after UCF, or was that it was kind of both of them were in the same bucket right there? I'm not 100% positive. Um, I would guess that, um, I, I would think that uh, that the Todd Sanders state was also, also sealed. That it, I mean, maybe somehow the timing might have been different, but I think ultimately, yeah, it was going to, it was going to end for both the way it did. Yeah. And then, with was do you think the win also was very dependent on if we had beaten if tech had beaten UCF? Like would that have maybe given Collins one more week to all right, you got you got one against the I, I it's a group of five team, but a notable group of five team. That's right. they won that they beat Auburn in the Peach Bowl recently enough to where it's right. like, okay, they're not awful. And they have Auburn's coach from that Peach Bowl as well. Right. Um so do you think that maybe would have given them one more week if things had fallen the right way? I, I would think so. I mean, I think you know, it was when, not if, and I, you know, I, and, but I suppose, I mean, I, I guess you're leaving open the possibility of, you know, if, if he, it, it would have been weird to fire him after a win, certainly. Um, yeah. And so it, if they just, if he managed to keep on winning, you know, gotten to whatever seven wins, then, then all of a sudden you can't do it. Obviously that, that would have been, I think we'd all agree that would have been highly unlikely, but I think they were probably, I guess waiting uh, for for that to happen, and I, so yeah, I suppose it, it, it probably would have bought him bought him more time, um, but uh, but mm. yeah, it, you know the the time, regardless, unless things completely change, was was limited. What was your sense of how attached 
Todd Stansbury and, and Jeff Collins were in that, you know, job connection sense. Obviously, we saw that public vote of confidence right. uh, in la- or last winter, but mm-hmm. were they always going to be attached at the hip like this with a firing? Or was there a sense that, hey, maybe maybe Todd gets retained, Collins gets let's go? Like what was the what was the relationship there? I think um, I think once he said that, and then that was, I think that kind of, I don't know quite what the verb is, that frustrated not just, you know, everyday fans, but also the, you know, the people whose opinions matter. Um, and then on top of that, I think there was an, maybe an expectation uh, or, or hope or, or desire for, you know, for you know, of okay, and I'm, I'm speaking for them or paraphrasing what I think probably was going on was that okay, if you, you can have you can keep him, but or I'm okay, you know, but you we've got to do something with 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 uh, Andrew Thacker, and because obviously the you know the defense's record is what it was, what it was, is what it was, um, and when that didn't happen, I think that that even kind of further connected the two of them and maybe made it to the took it to the point of okay, you know, if if as you say, he's your man. And if, if he's not going to do it, then I think that is probably maybe ultimately what, what bound them together. I mean, you know, just politically speaking, if he had something like said something like, you know, uh, we're not happy with how things are going, but, but we want to give Jeff Collins another year and, and been a little, you know, created some separation between him and, and, and Jeff Collins, I think maybe that might've changed things. And if he, you know, if maybe if he said, Hey, you can stay, but you've got to make these changes, you know, whether you want to or not, then, then maybe that might've, you know, kind of created this, that understanding of, you know, Todd Stansbury isn't, is, is feeling some of the same things that the donors and fans are feeling or recognizes that, um, then, then maybe it could have turned differently, but it's, yeah, obviously that's, that's uh, conjecture. Yeah. For Cabrera, I mean, I, I talked to him last year and we didn't really go into much on sports outside of like needing to like yeah title nine still not fully resolved yet and like and we talked mm-hmm. about that when he came on in the summer um do you have a sense of if this was the donors seriously pressing pressuring him to be like okay like please do something here or cabrera saw just by himself like okay i know this has reached the point of no return that we have to make a real change here that only he could really do um I would have to think there was a, there was a, a lot of pressure on him. Um, and I, you know, I think it was things that, um, you know, and I, it's hard for me to, to say exactly what he was thinking. Um, yeah. Because he hasn't, I mean, he, you know, he came out and made a statement that we have standards, but, uh, and, and, you know, they weren't being met. Um, at the very least, I would say that it, it contributed that, you know, if, yeah. if donors were like, ah, you know, we like, we like Jeff, we like Todd, let's give a little more time. I, I, I don't, I doubt, I'd be very surprised if, if you know, Dr. Cabrera would have done something. So yeah. I think that, you know, certainly he saw what he saw, but, and it'd be hard to dispute with, with the direction of the team, but I don't, you know, certainly the, the role that donors played was, was, I'm going to say significant. Yeah. And we'll, well, I want to actually we'll go into that press conference because we were, we were all following Kelly live tweeting the whole thing. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, what was your, were you at that press conference? I was, yes. I was, okay. Well, like, how was, 
I mean, what was your I impression following Ken Sagan? Yes. Uh, <laughs> I know who we're we I know who we're Respect the guest, Jack. Wow. <laughs> now, Kelly, actually, Kelly does a much better job of live than I do. I'm usually, I'm trying to, I'm typing out, I'm taking notes. And so I'm, it's hard for me to separate. The we read all of Ken's articles after the fact. Don't yeah. worry. Um, <laughs> Respect to Kelly. I like Kelly. When, 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 when you were, so it, when, during that moment though, like, I guess, what was, what was your impression of the tone that Cabrera was trying to set and Brent Key as well, for that matter, right. of where A, the football team was going, but Institute Athletics as a whole was trying to pivot to because, I mean, if, if anything, this was one of the large, at that moment when Collins was released and Stansbury, the range of possibilities for where this, where tech could have been landing was as wide as, as it's been in a long time. Right. Um, so I, what, what was, what, what was your, I don't want to say gut feeling, but like what, what, what were you sensing coming in the room at that, at that moment? Um, well, uh, I mean, I think, I guess to start with, with, uh, what, uh, Dr. Cabrera was saying, you know, the, the one thing that's, well, the, the thing that struck me most about what he said was that, and I'm going to paraphrase and I, but it's still along the lines of, I'm, you know, I'm committed to doing anything to, to turn around, uh, the team and get it back to where it belongs, which I thought was, you know, a pretty significant statement. Um, and then, uh, you know, Frank Neville, the interim uh, athletic director spoke, uh, most, he was mostly answering questions about the, the AD search. And um, certainly he gives off an air of, of, you know, just if you know his history, he was a, he was a career diplomat and uh, in the State Department and, uh, and you know, has been, in, you know, been on the academic side and, and you know, you get this and clearly he, he kind of, is it bright and, and it's going to pay attention and, and kind of knows it. I think you would, I, th I think it's probably in really good, in good hands to search. Um, and then Brent Key spoke, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've had the opportunity to talk with him on a number of occasions, you know, just as an assistant. And uh, what I've always appreciated about him is that he's straightforward, um, you know, doesn't, you know, isn't taken with himself. Uh, good guy, uh, you know, we can agree on or disagree on, on just what the offensive line has done uh, in his three years. But, uh, but yeah, so, um, you know, he, I think he, I heard from a lot of people that, I, you know, he did a really good job of just kind of framing things well and, and, and made you feel like, okay, this guy has a plan. He's, he's not just happens to be the guy who was tabbed the interim because no one else could, but someone who had a, a clear idea of, of what this team needed. And it kind of, it certainly, I think it resonated with a lot of, a lot of fans. Yeah. Um, so I, I had like three different ways I was going to go with this. I, the mm -hmm. book that I pulled off the shelf wasn't for a joke this time, but I can't uh -huh. find the page I want. Um, and I think the other thing's a little bit more of a rambling story. So I'll just go with my <laughs> simple follow-up question. Please. I take it you were at the press conference when Collins was introduced, correct? Oh, yes, I was. Yeah. Okay, so I think that makes everyone but Akshay. And I know Jack and I are on the level that Akshay lived in San Francisco. He was a big tech bro for a while. Anyways, um, wait, was that before you went to San Francisco? Wow. Yeah, that was that Why? was September 2018, or no, December 2018. Jeez. Doesn't matter. I'm getting in a rabbit hole. <laughs> Point is, I think the consensus for those that were there was that that Collins won the presser, right? Like he, like, my impression was that this was a guy who was, you know, saying stuff that resonated with me. 
And I felt kind of a similar reaction to Brent Key and then Frank Neville and Angel Cabrera in terms of just that, like, okay, like they know what needs to be done. Right. And I like, is that so obviously there's not a lot that you can draw from that, right? There's, there's the, the whole signpost of the last three and a half years of, Hey, winning the presser isn't everything. Do you see this as, uh, you know, whether it's Neville, Cabrera, or Key, as people who can kind of like walk the walk after kind of coming out swinging, if you will, in that opening presser? Um, like, are you asking, do I have confidence that they'll be able to do what they say yeah. they're going to do? Was, um, was the vibe right? You know, I guess we're, well, I mean, we can we can operate on a, on a one-game sample to see maybe it would look like it. But, I, you know, I think... Um, Knowing what I know about Brent Key, at least, is that, you know, I, I think the things that that are needed to be a good head coach, among many, but you know, to and maybe in this instance in particular, um, you know, attention to detail and and maybe kind of having a plan. And I, I think, um, I think you know, even before Saturday, I would have said that yeah, I think those things are are strengths of his. Um, uh, going back to what Jeff Collins and hit that press conference, you know, I, I think it resonated and, and sounded right uh, because he, you know, he had this idea about particularly about culture and branding and, and honestly, I mean, those things also make sense. You know, I don't know that, you know, I, I'm, I, I went back and let's do it not too far, not too long ago. And, you know, <laughs> I, I guess this is where things went awry a little bit, but he also talked about, uh, one of his other priorities was special teams and defense. And I think we can all agree that that didn't uh, go quite the way that as successfully as the culture and branding part did. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so um, I guess to go back to your, your question, um, you know, I think he was, what, he was, what, Brent, what I heard a lot from Brent, he was, you know, we're going to simplify things, just, you know, make, just make the things that matter we're, we're going to focus on. And, um, so yeah, I, you know, knowing, you know, again, he's an offensive line coach. He's not going to be someone who's going to be, you know, sending out a, a series of tweets about this and that or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, to that degree, I, I think, yeah, I, I think they're for the, you know, for as long as he's a head coach for this interim period, I think, you know, he's, he's the right guy for this, for this team. See, that, that's great to hear. Cause honestly, out of, out of everyone involved, like the person I've inter interacted with the most, interfaced with the most, mm -hmm. is Angel Cabrera. And that list is really short too. And that, that's more of just like having been a student, been in the organizations I was in and, and stuff like that. And, and in, in him, I do have a level of confidence. So it's it's good to hear that, you know, that the, it extends to the, the guy leading them uh, on right. the football field as well. Following mm -hmm. up on one, one last thing, and then I'll <laughs> stop hogging the mic. Um, thoughts on whether or not to throw the baby, if you will, out with the bathwater in terms of branding 404, mm -hmm. like Atlanta focus. Like, do you, do you see that as something that like is going to play in into the next few years of tech as well? Or do you think that kind of recedes into the background? Um, that's a good question. Uh, I, I hadn't given a ton of that, ton of that a ton of that. And actually before I, I try to complete your question um, in, in not saying anything about, on El Cabrera, Frank Neville, or something. It doesn't mean I don't think that they are yeah, yeah, yeah. coming. But yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, yeah, like I said, uh, those two guys strike me as sharp. And I think, you know, I think 
probably in hiring an AB, which is their big charge. Um, we'll listen to people, and uh, I think they rec probably recognize, you know, that they what they don't know, and in, in that neither of them have, you know, are, are are super involved in college athletics, and so it's, they recognize it's, you know, there there's probably some holes in their knowledge, and so I, I would think that they're gonna they'll they'll be fine. Um, but as far as yeah, the the 404 and how much that'll um, continue. Um, I don't know. I mean, maybe certainly the the thought of of and strategy of let's let's recruit Atlanta and, and the metropolitan areas as hard as we can. Um, that certainly will remain. You know, I would wonder if if you know certainly maybe on like on social media or wherever if that stig you know that's to say but but if, if that has a stigma now of oh that was Jeff Collins thing and and you know, they, there probably might be an attempt to distance from it just because, you know, obviously the tenure didn't go very well. Um, so, uh, certainly, I mean, but I mean, I think as far as like recruiting Atlanta and Georgia, that's certainly not a new plan that, you know, I'm sure you can go back to, to I don't know, I guess as far back as Atlanta and Georgia have been a big, a big deal in, in high school football, which goes back at least, you know, 10, 20 years, if not longer. I mean, it's, it's always been a very, ground but um so uh yeah i think the strategy certainly should, would remain you know whoever is a coach but as far as all the branding and i, I would wonder if that would that would recede yeah fair enough thanks jack i know you have some final questions about the ad search that i wanted to get to before we wrapped up yeah i because we when we have there's a search firm that's getting involved here that we've been right. delegated to the task of i guess collecting resumes if you want to put it that way of just right. Right. who's out there um i know there's a lot of agents involved as well and getting their clients in the door and whatnot um mm -hmm. but do we know like is the athletic so how beholden is the athletic association to i guess going by with the search firm finds is it really just like please do the collection process for us and then we make the decision from there or is there something else involved that we should know I think generally it works that way. Um, I, you know, there's what, what search firms do typically, particularly with coaches, I think is, is gauging interest. Um, and so, you know, so they're not bringing to the school people that actually don't want to be in, involved in the search. Yes. Um, but, and also weeding out candidates that, that maybe, you know, don't have the, the experience or, or qualifications. Um, and so they're they're you know ultimately I think largely how it works is you know is they'll bring you know maybe four or five names of okay here are guys you know men and women in the eighties certainly that we think are qualified and have also indicated that they're really interested in the job um, and then from there you know maybe they'll they'll be in the set up interviews and so forth yeah uh, but ultimately obviously yeah it would, the decision is is on the you know, and this with AD search, Frank Noble and Uncle Bear of, of who they deem is the the right choice. Yeah, and I know for I mean, the the coach search is going to be the most popular topic. That's not right. how well did we perform on the field? Is there anything right. there that would be a a misconception that we should probably, as a fan base, just get out, just make sure we do, we're not focusing on that? Because I know right. the rumor mill will swirl. Very rampantly, and already has been. I mean, we 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 put our fair share of content out there, but more right. analytical. And then, but I mean, the message boards, the message boards will never stop. I mean, as yeah. long as there's a platform, it's there. What 
is what would you say is there like a, a wise way to as a fan, like approach, okay, how would like, and there's like so much power we have, but right. just in terms of just consuming this process from the outside of getting a new coach for the football team, if right. it's not Brent Key, but for all we know, right. it's still yes. might be yeah. Brent. it could be, um, I think, uh, you know, it, how it often seems to work in, in coaching changes, particularly when it's a, a firing is that, the pendulum kind of swings back the other way. You know, if it's, you know, a guy who's been a, you know, a drill sergeant, you know, the, the, the next guy often is, Oh, this guy's fun and he makes football fun again. And, and, and then if that guy gets fired, then it's, you know, we need some discipline in this team. And, yeah. and we were, you know, we lost coach, you know, he let us do whatever he wanted. And, and, and so, um, you know, I, my guess is there'll probably be some of that, but, you know, I think, you know, just given the, the on-field problems of, of clock management and discipline and penalties, I think they, there'll be a strong emphasis. And ultimately, I mean, I'll, I mean, I should say that ultimately this is the AD's job right. and whatever he or she decides, I guess, is, is, is what would go. But I'm sure from the, um, from the input that, that Anil Cabrera and Frank Neville and, and people whose opinions matter uh, go, uh, I think there will be a, a sense of, you know, we, we, we want a coach who uh, is proven and whose teams are disciplined and uh, aren't going to beat themselves and, and you know, has a, has a strong structure and that sort of thing. Um, yeah. So that that's, you know, that'd be, I guess, as, as I would see it, as I've heard a little bit, that's that'd be the kind of how that would go, I think. Okay, gentlemen, I think that is about all of the questions that we had. Is there anything else before we wrap up on, on football from you, Mr. Grant? Are we not going to, like, talk about how fun Saturday was? Like, I, I get <laughs> yeah. that this was, oh, like, yeah, really. no. this was, this was all doing? business. We're hammering. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> big, this all big business. picture stuff. Maybe you didn't have any fun, Akshay. I know that's kind of the norm, but, like. I was, well, I, was I have appearances to I have appearances to upkeep. Yes, Georgia Tech won this weekend. Yes, Georgia Tech gave a very or, or Georgia Tech interim head football coach Brent Key gave a very emotional post-game press conference um to the ACC network rep that was there. Um I mean the one thing that I wanted to say uh, from all of this discussion, <laughs> which is another big picture thing, is going back to Jake's comment on the on the intro press conference for Jeff Collins is Jeff Collins said a lot of the right things, but did not acknowledge the road that it would take to get there. I think that was part of the piece that was missing in retrospect. And it's one of the things that resonated with me from these intro press conferences for Brent Key um, and the press conference from Brent Key after the game. And then the, 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 the segment with uh, Frank Neville was that they understood, or at least they showed some understanding of, the problems with the program and they understood like, Hey, there's stuff we need to fix here so that we can get to where we want to be and execute on a lot of these high level, big picture Atlanta four 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 kind of things. So it's, I, 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 it's just interesting to see that juxtaposition, right. Of uh, someone who, of where we were and what we wanted to hear and maybe what we want to hear now. Uh, I think it's Akshay. It's very interesting. It sounds like you want him to write out a V two mom, and for that, uh, I'm saying, you're that your employer, 
and uh, you know, let the let, let the next coach figure it out. Um, for anyone who doesn't get that reference, no, no, uh, no, no, lucky. we're not explaining. We don't it. need we're to not explain explaining it. it. We're moving. We're moving on. Uh, we're moving on. Jack, do you have anything else before we do actually move on? Yeah, let's talk about actual football. I mean, what, what is there anything here that you that, that you're expecting yes. again? I mean, we have a we have. I, I think some fans might find this week to be a winnable game. I mean, it is, it's still, because it is still Duke, but Dukes might be who the ACC Coastal runs through this year for all we know. So, I mean, what, is there anything you're, you're, you're looking forward to for this weekend's game and homecoming? Um, you're asking me? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, you know, it's, it's one of those things that it's, it's so easy and maybe tempting to say like, Oh, they, they, they beat Pitt. Um, clearly problems are solved. They're ready to, to, you know, maybe not run the table, but but right. be the team that we all saw on Saturday, and that may well be. But I think you know certainly, um, I think what's great about college football is that you know any any team that almost any team can beat almost any other team, uh, you know, once in a season, and, and the game runs so high on emotion and 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 luck, you know, bounces and that sort of thing that. You know, it, it's certainly it, it'd be difficult, I think, for for any team to play, with, you know, to leave it all on the field every single week. Um, so mm-hmm. I think what I'm, I'm interested in or one thing I'm interested in against Duke is just how much of what we saw against it in terms of, um, you know, the defense flying around and, and special teams playing a much cleaner game. Uh, the offense, you know, really taking control in the fourth quarter, penalties being limited, how much of that can carry forward. Um, uh, you, you want to think that that those things will happen, um, but uh, but certainly, yeah, you, you know, Ani, that, that'll be, and I, I think all this this will be even. They're probably not as good as Pitt, but um, but they're certainly a very good team, as Jack said. Uh, so it'll be a, a certainly. It's, it's easy to think, oh, it's Duke; they can run them over. It's homecoming, but I think they Duke should be a pretty good test. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair take with how they've been, but you're still going to find that. Tech alums, fans, whomever, circle Duke as a win every year. Every year. Doesn't matter how good they are. Just always, always Duke. <laughs> which, you know, the comments section will, will prove that. Um, it's a whole thing. Know, they have like a I, whole complex about like Duke. I, Duke this year, I think, has some, you can poke some holes in that schedule, but you cannot argue against the fact that they are a competent football program. I do want to say, uh, just so we don't let this go unnoticed, Gavin Stewart going four for four on field goals, two for two, extra points, phenomenal. Uh, Hassan Hall, I think, literally ran an entire pile of men like 13 yards at one point. That was pretty excellent, too. Uh, Again, uh, love the heavy stuff, love the high-level stuff in terms of talking through it, but just want to shout out some, some great performances. Charlie Thomas really made an impact. Uh, I think I just named all three of the ACC uh, players of the week. So obviously other people saw it too. And I promise I have other takeaways, not just regurgitating <laughs> what the ACC tells me. Jake, do you want to really run my column for tomorrow? Some standout performances there. No, you're the advanced stats guy. I'm the vibes guy. But yeah. Anyways. So just do, just, you know, do advanced stats with vibes. I'm sure that'll go over well with the crowd. <laughs> my vibe stats. Yes. <laughs> Give me the expected right. vibe of the Duke game, Mr. Grant. 
What's, the, what's yeah. the vibrate? If if, uh, if the wreck comes out at exactly 26 miles an hour, you know, like automatic win. That's yeah, no, just well, you know, it cannot. I, I, I don't know. even think it could get that fast anymore. Um, let's move on. Let's do let's do some picks. We have Ken here. Ken, uh, I think we talked about this before. We are not super knowledgeable about the ACC as a whole. I think you still have us beat on total knowledge so uh let's see let's see how we do here all right let's start noon acc network louisville versus virginia the line on this one louisville by three and a half this will be at scott stadium in charlottesville virginia the weather 59 degrees and sunny mr grant you are up first yeah um if this wasn't an acc game i'd be picking it as my sickos game of the week uh, that's just because Louisville is a delight and Virginia is a delight. And if you're a fan of either Louisville team, they're a not delight. a delight. Hold on. Hey, <laughs> did hey you watch that I game said if you're time? a fan of either team, it, they're not a delight. Um, I am still taking Louisville just because I think uh, I have a little bit more faith in Satterfield than uh, Virginia's somewhat rudderless uh, offense, question mark. But the Syracuse game was close. So maybe, uh, maybe it's just about a coin flip. I'm still taking the cards, though. Jack. Uh, someone's getting their first ACC win, and I'm just going to say it's Louisville. Ken, how about you? Uh, yeah, Virginia worries me a little bit. So, um, you know, first-year coach and, and things don't do seem to be going all that great so far. So let's, I think I'll join the pack and uh, go, with, go with the Cardinals. Me as the host, I'm taking Virginia to cover three and a half because Louisville had an epic, epic collapse. Uh, well, it started awful for them last week, and then it just ended in an epic collapse. Moving on to 3.30 p.m. on the ACC Network, Virginia Tech at Pittsburgh at the stadium formerly known as Heinz Field, Pitt favored by 14.5. Jack, you're up first. While we did give Pitt their first loss, I mean, they're still good enough to win normal football games. They've got three wins. They maybe should just have two, um, but no, I'll still I'll, – a home field advantage still, I'll give it to Pitt. Jake. Mm. I think Pitt to win Virginia tech to cover. Uh, I, I don't think Pitt is uh, going to be ranked again the rest of the year. And I'll leave it at that. Uh, over under on this one is 44 points, by the way, that is low. Yeah. Uh, Ken, you're up. Um, it would seem like if Pitt, lo- you know, for Pitt to lose a game like that, I think you have to come back and, and, and give a better showing of your stuff. Um, so I would, yeah, I would go with it. Good stuff. Moving on to ESPN two at 4 PM UNC versus Miami at hard rock stadium in Miami gardens, uh, Miami favored by four points. Ken, how about you take this one first, man? Uh, Miami seems like they're in some, having some issues. I think they just came off their bye. If not, if I'm correct. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, teams that that we always think are always said to be going to, you know, turn the corner, and this year it's not like it's it's happening for either. But um, I don't know. I'll I'll go with the Tar Heels in this one. You know, you know they're going to score, and and maybe the defense figures them out. Jack, I I, I think you're right. We we've been thinking North Carolina's going to turn the corner for the last three years, and they they have not turned 
the corner that we all thought they were going to. But also, I much longer than three years, to be clear, much longer than three years. They've been trying. They've been like trying to turn that corner since they had Al Golden, and the corner has just gotten farther away. (laughs) I think we're talking about two different corners here. I think Ken and Akshay are on the Miami turning the corner train, while Jack is on UNC turning the corner. If I'm interpreting this right. In which case, there's too many corners to go. Right. Around. <laughs> I'm talking about both, but yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. Aren't you the corner. mechanical engineer that knows angles? Aren't you supposed to be an expert on these corners? No, that's Ben Lammers. Sorry. <laughs> Jack, ah, there you go. Jack, please get um, us back to sanity. I want North. Car- I'm going to pick North Carolina because I want their game with Duke to be an epic winner-takes-all coastal matchup. If Tech isn't involved by then. Those, those schools have too many nice things in every non-rev sport, in every basketball game. You can't give them nice things in football, too. Um, that said, I think Miami uh, has quite a bit of talent. I think they have a, a higher ceiling, and I think they had a week to figure things out. So I think they cover there at home. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it'll be a balmy 86. So give me the That game. might be how many points are scored in this game because neither of these teams does – any defending at all uh moving on to boston college versus clemson that game will be at chestnut hill clemson is favored by 20 points oh boy poor boston college jake you're up first i could legitimately see bc not winning a game the rest of the year um give me give me clemson and the points i, I think they covered I don't, I don't think this one's particularly close ken how about you um, I'm gonna go the same, and it's funny. Yeah, I remember Jeff Halfley. Uh, he always struck me as he, he was hired in the same cycle of memory serves as as uh, Jeff Collins, and it seemed like oh, they've got things going. Um, but I'm not sure they're quite there. But yeah, I'm gonna take take Clemson, and I, I suspect it won't be close. Jack, round us out. Last year's Boston College team might cover, not this year. Still Clemson, and by a lot. Boston College really needs to figure out that offensive line if they want to do anything. That is a 7.30 kick on ABC. Moving on to the RSN at 7.30, Army goes to Winston-Salem to play number 15, Wake Forest. Wake is favored by 17 points. Uh, Ken, how about you go first? Um, yeah, Army seems like they're having a tough a tough season. They lost to Georgia State, I believe. And, uh, yeah, and then I was at home and not close, I think. So, um yeah, I, I, you go with Wake here, and I think they're they'll be fine. Jack, uh, yeah, this this is Wake. This is one of those games they have to take care of to stay relevant. So they'll they'll get it done. A lot of gold and black game. A lot of gold and black, Jake. Yeah, uh, I don't really remember when Army got bad, but it seems like they're not having a great year. Um, I've seen not much of them playing, and I did see a little Wake Forest, and they look pretty solid. So give me Wake. Wake is good again. How about that coach, huh? Hmm. I wonder what people should do with that. 8 p.m. on ACC Network, Florida State goes to Carter-Finley Stadium to face number 14, NC State. Both teams are four and one. NC State favored by three and a half. Jake, you're up first. This seems like uh, a perfect game for NC State to remember what they do best, and that is blow it randomly. Uh, So I think NC State is going to kind of trip up. Uh, I don't really trust them uh, against a improving and somewhat competent looking Florida State team uh, looking to avenge a, a tough loss to, to Wake last week. So uh, give me the Knolls. Ken, how about you? A tough one. Um, 
you know, I, I think Florida State's clearly they're 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 trending up. Uh, you know, I'll go with NC State. You know, coming off a loss. You know, they kind of kind of how that goes. I, I, with Pitt, I, I see them bounce back and, and win this one. And Jack, I just don't pick any underdogs in this segment, and I'm very tempted to here, but I'm still mad that they beat Auburn in the national title all those years ago because I was an Auburn fan back then. So I'm still picking NC State for 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 just gripes. Oh, oh boy, uh, that's incorrigible behavior, our, uh, especially <laughs> considering Auburn's co- coaching situation currently. Uh, let's move on to single picks of the week. Let's rattle these off really quick. Jack, you're up first. James Madison is making a New Year's Six Bowl in the next five years. Count on it, and they're going to just roll over Arkansas State this week. That is James Madison by ten and a half. Uh, James Madison, if I remember correctly, is still undefeated. They could make a New Year's Six Bowl this year. Yeah, uh, they, Jake, really could. That's, they really that's could. That's very possible. Um, I am picking Tulane uh, at home. Uh, they're favored by two and a half over East Carolina. Uh, I think both of those teams are sneaky, very interesting. Uh, fan base, history, all that. But also football this year. Uh, and I think Tulane uh, defends home turf coming off an emotional win uh, to get them to five and one. And, you know, that's... Uh, Pretty interesting place to be, considering uh, everything that's stacked against them. Tulane, huh? Interesting, interesting little program. Um, I picked Red River, and it's like a very weird vibes Red River this year because both of these teams are not good. <laughs> Texas and Oklahoma are both unranked. They're both two and three. Texas is favored by seven in the Cotton Bowl. Give me OU. Oh, you will cover it. I appreciate you giving these under-noticed, underfunded programs the attention they deserve <laughs> now that they're out of the top 25. You know, someone's got to put the spotlight on them. It's, you know, they need to make a little spare change here and there. So I just want to make sure they get some time in the limelight. Ken, do you have a particularly, how do we say, uh, degenerate viewing option for the public? <laughs> Man, um, I, I confess I don't, uh, but. Uh, well, Ken, you are the only professional among us, right. so I do respect <laughs> that. I'm, I'm curious. I, I'm actually kind of, I, I confess I've never seen a, a, a mini, is, I'm sorry, I should even, it's a mini feather, not low 500. Yeah, mini, mini 500, yes. Mini 500, yeah. 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 So, so um, I was going to say, wait, little 500 Ken, is. A, <laughs> oh, these are both real Ken. events. These are both real yeah. events. Okay, let me. Yeah, who yeah. who who are the favorites in the mini five hundred? Oh, I got this. I got this. Okay. All right, all right, all right. Go ahead. So there is a team that enters every year in the enthusiast category because you've got your fraternities. Uh, there, there's two or three that are head and shoulders above the rest of the fraternities. Beta, uh, I think, whatever the heck the actual letters for glowworm are, they're the ones that have like that. Five. Anyways, you got your fraternities. Um, you got actually Kiefer would be really mad that I called it that, but that's neither here nor there. Anyways, you got your sororities, um, you know, sororities, you got your clubs. So that is organizations like rec club, like swim club, um, Catholic center. You've got your housing, which is Glen towers, all the residence halls and stuff. And then you got enthusiasts and mini 500 is the only real homecoming event that gets a big turnout from enthusiasts because it's basically like, four or five random people that are just like, all right, we're four minute team. Let's go. And there's this team every year called build a trike and make UGA pay for it. 
I don't know who they are. I don't know who they're associated with. I do know who they are. I do oh, know who they're associated know who with. They are. I do. Okay. We're going to have to... We're gonna to have to do like a live podcast for Mini Five Hundred and get them on the horn. <laughs> who we'll have to people? negotiate? Shut up. For I want to know events. who the people are. This is so I became aware of them my freshman year in 2017. This is the RUF team. Um, really? That, RUF? Yes, it is. Oh. It is a it is a mixture of alumni and the obviously current students race are and you? mostly build the trike. But they are you allowed to have so, alumni race in the Mini Five Hundred? No, no, they don't. The alumni just are. Just just yeah, breaking news here. Yeah. The alumni scandal. They have had. If they have an Instagram, I encourage you to, to look at their, their Instagram. It's uh it's called Mini Five Hundred Champs, uh, because they have set the record multiple times. Um, and I think if you search the team name too, that's there. They lost well. like two years ago. They did. They did multiple um, years ago. They inspired my past team in terms of trike construction because they have streamlined every single process. Like you'd expect a Georgia Tech group to streamline the process of building a tricycle for a meaningless race beyond just pride. Hey, hey, hey. It is our tiny crashing into sewers has meaning, Jack. They do not. Well, here's the thing. They do the opposite of crashing into sewers. They finish this race in under 20 minutes every year. And it's not, yeah. and they destroy everybody. Um, no, they have Uber, they have Uber engineered every part of this. And it's mostly RUF folks. They've got people that have been building this trike for six plus years now who have mastered the art of building the mini 500 tricycle. Um, and they, they're going to win this year. I have no doubt. They, I, I wanted to join their team in my freshman year. I thought it was normal to have tryouts to join this team, but they have tryouts <laughs> to get on this mini 500 team. And if you don't make it, you're, I mean, you're probably on the pit crew. That's um, amazingly but, optimized. I'm, I'm so impressed. The, no, yeah, hey, no, go, hey, go ahead. This is where I would sneak in a joke about John Calvin, but I think it would go way off the map so I'll, no, I'll no, no 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 we're, we're no back they're predestined in. to win they're predestined <laughs> to win this race don't you worry about there you go. Don't, don't you worry. Got it, we're reining this back in jack just for just for you know good podcasting reasons what does ruf stand for uh reform university uh fellowship, oh, fellowship. Uh, they're yeah. basically they're they're the presbyterian uh campus ministry on uh that uh on, on tech's campus presbyterian no, campus no. ministry on campus good work Hey, um, <laughs> they're also so, the, so as a proud Presbyterian, good, I'm, I'm honored to know that my, my people are out there, you know, anyways, um, for, for the, for the folks out there, Akshay, what time does this event start? If they want to, I am glad you asked about the homecoming schedule. It is homecoming week on the flats. Let's start at five 30. PM on Friday, October 7th. That is your mini 500 at Peter's parking deck. That will go from 5.30 to 6.30. I would suggest getting there before five o'clock because otherwise you will not have a good viewing angle at 4th Street. Uh, Saturday morning at 6.30 a.m. at Harrison Square, which I believe is a new location. It is the freshman cake race. Uh, I don't have a map of the new route in front of me. That is bad podcast host business uh but our final event of the weekend before all the other sports is the rec parade at 8 30 at its usual location on first and fowler that same saturday morning please come please attend the people that put on these events the people that participate on these events in these events love it it is this is my favorite week every year i can see jake staring daggers into my eyes uh while i describe how fun these events are please get out whatever you need to say you should know as well as anyone that the reason the route changes every year for freshman cake race is for legitimate reasons and not just to confuse you. For those that don't know, 
Uh, it totally so doesn't just to confuse me. What are you talking about? No, it it's so that way shenanigans don't ensue. Uh, you got to limit. You got to limit the potential for disaster. So if you make it to Harrison Square, you'll be able to follow the race course away and, and set up somewhere. Um, that's just uh, that's just for event security purposes that the institute makes them do. Um, that being said, uh, Rec Parade is always in the same spot. That is Fowler Street. Um, and that is a great event to watch. Uh, those contraptions are my personal favorite Georgia Tech tradition, so much that I tried to get them to start a contraption making class, and that went nowhere. But that is a story for another time. They literally, uh, our, our dear old organization literally does not have the map of this route. It's secret. On. I just told you it's supposed to be secret option. They used the same route for like four years. Anyway, this is complete. This is completely off topic. Uh, we need to wrap up. We've gone off the rails. Thank you, Ken, for being here for another episode for us. Is there anything you'd like to plug uh, before we let you get out of here? Um, well, uh, if, if if your listeners are so inclined, there's always plenty to read on AJC.com. And uh, yeah, we, we encourage and would love to have more readers so, and subscribers. Because that's where you can find me absolutely mr grant wrap us up yeah uh for jack akshay and ken uh this has been scions of the southland you can find us at from the rumble you can email us at from the rumble seat at gmail.com we respond and read all of those emails your feedback helps shape what we do here and also on the site so please let us know whether it's via email or via comment or via twitter uh what you want to see from us in terms of finding our content that's ftrs blog on twitter you can find me at jake grant 98 and jack at jack nicholas on twitter uh, you can find this podcast wherever fine podcasts are distributed for those three uh, it's been a long night it's been a long week good night and go jackets